Wasn't that a blessing? Oh, it's such a beautiful song. <clears throat> well, let me say thank you, thank you. you <clears throat> your church has been an absolute blessing to us as, um, as we come and minister, and we, we certainly, I was telling somebody at lunch, we don't do this very often, really, and God has just opened some doors, and as I hope all of us would do, we, we say, Lord, if, if you're going to allow us to minister in some way, then, then let us walk through these doors and, um, and be open uh, to what he has for us as, uh, as our days go by. You know, we have a very short amount of time on this earth, and we need to use it for his glory. We, uh, my wife and I, as she said this morning, we got saved in 1995, uh, in April of that year, and I was 27 years old, and when, when we got saved, uh, everything changed, as she said, and we began to really kind of do an introspection on how our lives were going, and uh, we were, I had a little baby, we had a little baby in the crib, our oldest, Allison, uh, who's 27 now and has, is expecting number two uh, of her own, which is unique in, in and of itself. But um, I felt an incredible pressure in my heart that I wanted to raise godly kids. <laughs> I wanted to raise kids that loved the Lord and loved the local church. And we set out to do that as, as green as we were, and we didn't know anything about what that would look like. But the Lord brought, um, brought mentors and pastors and people that loved us. And so now, uh, 30, 31 years of marriage next week, and... Uh, 10 children, we really have a burden to encourage young families, uh, middle-aged families, what, whatever the age, even uh, older adults that have grandkids, that we still have a heritage to pass on. And we have an inheritance. Have you ever thought about what an inheritance is. When you set aside something to give for a future date, set aside maybe time, maybe energy, maybe resources, but you're setting those things aside to invest in others. It's a little distracting. Gotcha. Thank you, Lydia. Uh, she's been on team for two years, so she, she knows how to do that. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession into the, glory of, into the praise of his glory? Ephesians 1.14. I think of a word that's used not so much anymore. It's kind of, I think probably young people think it's stale or it feels like a, 
like a musty, moldy uh, piece of clothing or something from grandma. But the word heirloom. Heirloom is something of special value handed down from one generation to the next. What are you going to hand down to your generation, to the generation that's coming after you? Let's open in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the, just the joy of your church and, and what you're doing through your church. And that is the primary location that you are doing your work. And so we thank you for uh, this local assembly. And we pray that you would continue to bless it and direct pastor direct the deacons, direct the church family, and look for opportunities to, to serve people more. And in doing so, serve you more. May your glory be shown in this place. Now in this time, would you give us uh, hearts that are willing to be open and honest to you and humbled before you and... Uh, I pray that you'd hide me behind the Lord Jesus and say what you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Our culture is so destructive. I talked about it a little bit this morning. And even so, in our day, it's so hostile to the things of God. Uh, and, and we get, we almost, I almost feel like sometimes we get like um, callous to it. We just are so used to hearing all of that rhetoric and, and all of the, the false truth that comes out of all kinds of different ways and places. Uh, and I, I tell my teenagers, my teenagers in our home, I tell our teenagers at church, the college students, be not deceived. The world is not our friend. It's not our friend. And men, we have a, a grave challenge that our culture tells us that we don't have any right uh, to, to be the leaders of our family, nor tell our wife, uh, make decisions for her and for our family, or set goals and boundaries for our, our family. That's, a, that's just something that doesn't exist. Not only that, but our sin nature says... You know, it'll turn out all right. I, I won't say anything about that. It'll, it'll be okay. And, and yet we, we watch continually as our society goes uh, deeper and deeper into darkness. The battle is not against our kids. I have to remind that of myself. It's not against my wife. Uh, it's not even against uh, the, the unsaved in our world. The battle is spiritual. And I've reminded myself so often recently, Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We live in a culture that whenever they can, they depict life without God. We learned that many years ago in a, in a message, I think it was a Bible conference, uh, a gentleman, a preacher, got up, and 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 this was close to closer now, or closer then to it is now. But back then, 
we were, before we got saved, we were watching stuff on TV, filth, and stuff that we shouldn't have been watching. And it arrested me to the fact uh, when he said, you know, all that is just depicting life without God. If you think about storylines and think about how, how things get resolved, and it, it's really just setting us up for failure. It's literally everywhere. If we stop believing that God is all-powerful and He is the strength of our lives, we are in grave danger. And if the world starts rubbing off on us and influencing us, which we know it naturally does, we end up thinking things are good when, and we think that we're at peace when we're really not. And this is striking uh, in a... In a story that I heard somebody tell, a true story, about a man named Joseph Wallace. He was a Russian, and he was born into a Russian family in the early 1900s. His family was very, has a very successful business in Russia, and, uh, and he was 14 years old when he traveled to America and became a, successful story, became a success story, starting very low on the totem pole, starting uh, sweeping floors, and worked up eventually uh, to be an educator and a PhD in a college, at a, on a college campus. But in 1930, when 1930s came along, Joseph began to wonder about his family who was still in Russia. He began to see the news and read the newspapers about this Russian or about this German leader named Hitler. He was in increasing in power, and Joseph became more and more concerned about his family. So he started to talk to them and say, you know, this does not look like a good situation. You need to, you need to get out. Come to America. And, he, uh, and Hitler's power was increasing and growing, and he became more concerned. And so he even went back to Russia face-to-face with his family and said, this is not good. You need to get out. And his family, um, his family didn't get it. Uh, he he says things aren't looking good in this part of the world. Hitler has his sights set on Russia, and their response was, "Hitler will never come to Russia." He kept encouraging them. Even flew back again and begged them to come to America. I know there's a war going on, but it's not going to come here, they said. But on June 22, 1941, over 3 million uh, Germans uh, troops invaded Russia in three parallel offenses and was in the most, it was the most powerful invasion uh, force in history. Interesting that we live in a day now where Ukraine and Russia are in the news. But Joseph's family eventually uh, got run out of their homes. They lived with someone else for a couple weeks, but then they got scared. And eventually, those family members got uh, arrested and sent to Auschwitz, where they eventually passed away. That's a sobering story. They recognized there was a war going on. They just didn't feel like they would, it would ever, they would ever be a part of it. They were, they were enjoying peace at a time when there was really war. And this is so parallel to the Christian life. 
in the Christian life, our, <clears throat> our lives, our relationships, our families, no matter how old or young they are, we are on the front lines. And what is the key? What's the key to, to being offensive and being, uh, being um, intentional about how we're living? Well, if we, could, if we could search the scriptures for a home or a marriage or a, or a leader that face the dangers and wickedness of their culture, similar or even more aggressive than ours, they face trial and suffering. Their, their culture wanted to literally destroy their very existence. Who would we be talking about? If we were going to search for a model home where husband led with great humility and meekness, where wife was a picture of motherhood and, home, and a homemaker, and they exemplified a, a submissive spirit, a home where God was honored and obeyed and where faith was exercised, where children grew in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, where would, that, where would we find that person? I think that oftentimes, what, what's so striking about this family is that we only look at them one time a year. And I think we need to look at them all year long because God put them in his word to help us. We want to look at six qualities that will help us be better relationship builders as we live in this present world. The key to growing in Christ is to turn your eyes inward and say, what do I need to change? It's pretty hard to change other people, isn't it? It's pretty hard to get other people to do what you want them to do. Instead, we should look inwardly and say, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. What changes do I need to make in my own life to be a better husband, a better spouse, a better, uh, a better daughter, a better son, a better father, to be a better servant of Jesus? Well, Joseph, Jesus Christ's earthly father, he was the head of that home. And he was used of God in a time when the evil of the world seemed raging. God used, God wanted to use us, God wants to use us in a time when the world is evil and raging. To rise up and proclaim the truth. And this church is here to do that. We all have a part to play in God's redemption story. He wants to use us, even though he doesn't have to. He wants to use us because he loves us. Psalm 127 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waiteth but in vain. Six qualities of a godly, of a God-honoring person. If you take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2, and we'll kind of be around some in, in chapter 1, chapter 2. And we're just, we're just going to go and pluck out what we see in the life of Joseph. 
it's really f amazing and fascinating, and uh, I'm so glad that the Lord opened it up uh, because so often we only, or at least at least for me, I only ever look at the story of the Lord Jesus' birth and his coming into this world uh, at Christmas time. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, says that then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. I think we could stop right there. And the number for the first of the six qualities is righteous. Being righteous. What does righteous mean? What does it mean that he was a just man? When I looked this information up, it simply means he was right with God. And we know through Scripture that there's only, way to, there's only one way to be right with God. And that is through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, it's hard to, it's hard to get your mind around the fact that the people before Jesus came to the earth, they were trusting and, and by faith believing in something that hadn't yet happened. And we do it on the other side of that. But Joseph was right with God. Joseph had done what is necessary to, to bridge the relationship between the Heavenly Father and himself. He had trusted in God's Messiah. Joseph was trusting in God with his whole heart. He was approved of and accepted by God. This is all within that one little phrase, he was a just man. It is used to describe someone whose thinking, feeling, and acting is wholly conformed to the will of God. That's a, that's a high and lofty statement to describe somebody that way. How, how would someone describe you? How would they describe me? Do we, do we give witness that we are right with God? That didn't mean he was, he was perfect. But he was intentional about his life and walk with God. He wanted to be right. And we can see it all through even the stories that God gives us. He wanted to be set apart for his use. Make no mistake that we must be born again by the Spirit of God to be right with God. We are born again. Let this be a reminder. If we are born again, let this be a reminder and encouragement that we have the king to lead and guide us to truth. You remember that Jesus communicated to the religious leader, one of the highest religious leaders in John 3, Nicodemus. An extremely religious man, but he didn't recognize the need to be born again, to be born of the Spirit of God, to recognize his own sin and come to Christ. The second quality is humility. Matthew chapter or Matthew 1 and verse 20. The rest of verse 19 says and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things behold the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying Joseph thou son of David Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
Now, I think we can safely say that it takes a great man of humility to pronounce love on a, on a maid. And then that maid goes away for three months, and when they come back, they're pregnant. You know, how does that look? It doesn't look good, does it? We know this story, so we're so familiar with this story that we don't even think about it. But the truth is, there had to be some great pain in Joseph's heart after seeing this fact that couldn't be hid. But yet, in verse 19, he was not willing to put her away publicly. He didn't want to shame her. And his proof of his love to her and his humility of spirit. Joseph was a thinker. He wanted to make the right decision. And, and it seems like at the end of verse 19, he's, he's like wrestling with this, what, trying to figure this out. How can I do this without hurting her? I don't want to hurt her. But it seems obvious that she doesn't love me and that I don't... I, I shouldn't be with her. But then God so graciously shows that dream and, and communicates love for him in coming to him and communicating that and then love to Mary in, in letting, letting Joseph in on the secret about what's going on. And he wanted to make an honorable decision. He wanted to do right by God. But when he realized God was behind it all, what did he do? He humbly submitted. Today, we can't lose sight that God is behind everything and he is in control. So we have to humbly submit to him. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. It's not going to do any good to be proud, is it? The next verse, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We don't see a lot of humility and a lot of submission to authority in our day. But we should in the people of God. Number three, he was righteous before God. He was humble, and then he was obedient. Matthew chapter 2, jump down to verse 13. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Can you feel the, the tension here? I mean, he, they traveled all this way to get to Bethlehem. They had problems finding a place to stay. God provided in that, and Jesus was born. And there, for however number of days or months or years, they, they were there, and now all of a sudden, God says, you need to get out of there. There are people that want to destroy you and want to destroy this, this child that you have just brought into the world, that Mary has just brought into the world. 
And did you catch, and be thou there until I bring thee word? I'm not going to tell you where to go next. I'm not going to tell you uh, what time I'm going to, to send you. We are so full of schedules, aren't we? We are schedule-driven people. But there are places in Scripture where you see men that there was no schedule, but yet they still humbly obeyed the voice of the Lord. Now Joseph went out, as his father Abraham did, with with a dependence upon God, not knowing whether he went, not knowing where he went. Not only was he obedient to take Mary as his wife, even though she was with child, but also to trust God with what he did not know. He didn't even he didn't know everything when he found out that the child was of the Holy Ghost. This is a help and an encouragement to us that no matter what kind of trial or uncomfortable situation God has allowed, he wants us to be content with his will and humble humbly obey his word. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I speak in respect of want, Paul says, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I'm compelled to say that again. No matter what kind of trial or uncomfortable situation God allows, He wants us to be content with His will, that He's working, and He wants us to humbly obey His word and follow Him. Hebrews 5.13 says, let, our, let your conversation be as it becometh. Oh, I'm sorry, that was, that was another verse that is memorized in my noggin. Let your con- communication be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So for us, obeying is living by God's word, putting great value, putting absolute value on his words in our homes in our in our closets when we're with the lord in devotion in every part of our life number four consistency consistency joseph consistently is found seeking god in every portion of scripture that we that we communi- that God communicates with us about Joseph, he is seeking to do the will of God. He is seeking right for his life. He is, as this morning we talked about, wanting wisdom from God, listening when God speaks, watching, watching for his wife and son, for protecting and caring for them. God knew exactly what he was doing. God honors faithfulness. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty: A faithful man shall abound with blessing, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be uh, innocent. We know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 well. And <clears throat> maybe even Joseph had that memorized. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on your own, on your own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. It seems like Joseph knew something of that, of those verses. He certainly acted like it. They were consistently following the Lord. Flip over to Luke 2 really quick, because I think this is an amazing truth that would help us 
in our lives today. Look at verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. And again, this is under the consistency point. The Bible says, And when the days of her purification, what does that say? According to the law of Moses was accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. How often do we follow the Lord? How often do we follow his word? How often do we, we go back to his word and use that as our foundation for living? How often do we do that? Look at verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord. Look at verse 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, that is Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. Look at verse 30 and 39. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. This is a consistent family. And oh, how we need consistent families in 2022. Consistent families that will live as best they can by this book. We're not perfect people, and none of us are perfect. But if we're going to stand for something, we have to stand for what's right according to what God purposed. And these, this, this husband and wife, Joseph, according to what I see here, has a tremendous testimony all constantly going back to the Lord. And what is it that we need to do according to what the Lord has communicated to us? They had a steadfastness and a unity and a dependability about them. They weren't going to give up in the hard times. They were people of integrity. We hear about those people, don't we? Are we those people? When one part of our life faces another part and they are saying the same thing. I think Pastor alluded to that this morning. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth... I love this verse. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Joseph, is that, is that one of your life verses? Uh, because that sounds like him. Meekness. It, uh, consistency is a meekness. Meekness toward God is the preparation of our heart in which we accept everything that comes into our lives as good. And therefore, without disputing or resisting or any form of negative response. Sorry. That's hard. How are we doing with that? Meekness towards God is the preparation of your heart in which you accept everything that comes into your life as good. God is always good. And therefore, because God is always good, and because you've prepared your heart that way, you would do it without disputing or resisting or any form of negative response. 
Number five, discernment. Discernment. Back in Matthew, uh, Joseph, the, the, the verses that we read uh, when we began in verse 19, chapter 1, this is, a, this is a sign of discernment. He wasn't quickly making a decision. He was thinking through it when he, when he knew she was pregnant and she, he was trying to figure out what to do. He wanted to make the best choice. Uh, down in uh, chapter 2, verse 20, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the, the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And then he, it almost like he said, Okay, I, I followed, Lord. But now, like, you weren't real specific, so where exactly should I go? And he said, and in verse 22, it says, But when he heard the Archelaus did uh, reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. He was trusting God with it, but he was being discerning. This doesn't sound good because Herod's uh, Herod's relative is, or Herod's son is, is ruling, and that's pretty close to Herod. So maybe that's not a good idea. But then God graciously showed him in a dream where specifically he wanted to go. But he was a man of discernment. He was watchful. Proverbs nine ten says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We talked about this this morning. Think about Ephesians 5.15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Deliberate. God calls us, I believe, according to Joseph's life and the rest of Scripture, God calls us to be deliberate about what we do. Is there anything in Scripture that's not deliberately there. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. It's all there for us to be deliberate and conscious and intentional about it. Engage in long and careful consideration. And the last one, number six, is purpose. Joseph had purpose. What is the reason we do what we do? We talked this morning about the heart. And, and we do what we do by what we put into our heart. But ultimately the purpose is to glorify the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of the Lord. We have to take full responsibility for our lives. We're responsible for how we answer to the Lord. And there's one, there's one thought that just so captivates me over the course of this whole year as my wife and I have been ministering in a junior church like we did this morning with the kids, ministry, in that when we look at who God is and how 
wonderful and powerful and knowledge and and he's full of knowledge and he's full of compassion and mercy and we look at all the creation that he's done when it comes all down to it the the question is how do we respond to a god like that a god that is all-knowing that is that is amazing our response should be like joseph humble meek obedient and wanting God to be praised the Lord gives us great examples in scripture of the kind of character that God is pleased with as parents as grandparents as influencers to any age of children we can all learn from the life of Joseph in fact we must live these out in front of those that we have influence in front of if we hope to have a godly seed that continues and that continues in this church i think of the the four precious souls that we ministered to this morning in children's church and i i had this thought many years ago the realization that those kids are going to be the next teenagers and those teenagers are going to be the next college students and those college students are going to be the next adults and so how are we preparing them today to get to the place where they're they're taking on the characteristics of Joseph and and for the glory of the Lord may God help us to be men and women like Joseph and Mary given over to God's principles and God's love in their life and meeting that out for God's glory. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today and we are humbled and just amazed at who you are and how you give us there's so much truth and gold nuggets of knowledge and wisdom in your word and oh how we need to dig them out and influence our lives lord would you help me to be a joseph take on the characteristics of a joseph forgive me where i haven't done that and lord would you encourage these folks in their hearts Whatever the need might be this morning this afternoon would you work in their heart and win victories in our hearts for us to be more like Jesus we'll thank you for it we'll praise you ahead of time for what you're going to do in Jesus name amen pastor thank you mark six very powerful principles that uh, we could apply every day to our lives. I know he made the application specifically to us as fathers, and that hits right at home. But uh, I think wherever we're at in life, we could take those six principles and apply them each and every day of our lives. Derek's going to come and lead us in uh, stanza number four. If you'll turn your hymn books and stand to your feet, please, and turn to number 16, To God Be the Glory. We'll sing stanza number four as our closing hymn.
to God be the glory, great things He has won. Our praise to the Savior has only begun. In heaven's radiant thunder will join with the throng and praise Him forever in jubilant song. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the peers hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give Him the glory, great things He hath done. Amen. It's been a wonderful day in the Lord's house today, and uh, thank you, uh, Mark, Donnell, and all of the kids, and uh, we appreciate so much your ministry with us. It's been a blessing, and uh, I know they're going to stick around for just a little bit. There's the CDs available at the table, and then they're going to have to hit the road to uh, head over to Ohio and then back down to Greenville tomorrow, uh, but I hope that uh, you'll express your, your thanks and, uh, and to them for the blessing that they have been to us, and I hope that you have a wonderful holiday tomorrow, Independence Day, 4th of July, and uh, I uh, hope that you have a wonderful time with family, and if you're traveling, uh, be safe. And uh, again, we thank you for your faithfulness, and we ask the Lord's blessings upon our church family and for uh, the Fullers to have safety as they travel. You can ask Grant, Grant Rumba if he'll close us in prayer, and uh, then we'll be dismissed. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a, have a wonderful week.